We got through the inquiring Mayans, and now we're going to uh, be talking about uh, counterintuitive Christians. Um, would you stand with me and let's read one of my favorite parables? It's in my top three, that's for sure. This is from Matthew chapter 18. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that your word would be powerful, would be strong in this place today, and that it would bring freedom. I pray, Lord God, that it would, uh, that it would cause those things that we're carrying that we shouldn't be carrying to fall away from us today, Father. Lord, I ask for the anointing of your Holy Spirit on the words that are spoken and on the ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The Christian life is counterintuitive. Um, that is to our natural instincts, also known as conventional wisdom, uh, fleshly wisdom, carnal wisdom, however, however you want to put that. Uh, love your enemies. I mean, who knew? Really? <laughs> Before Jesus came, uh, nobody actually really did know you were supposed to do that. Uh, they kind of thought that, well, you know, you got, you got a certain extent that you go to, and then you cut them off, and especially if they're going to be your enemy. Jesus said, no, I, I tell you, l love your enemies. Pray for those that despitefully use you. Of course, we all know that he said that, and virtually nobody here does it. Just thought I'd start off with a bang. You know, it's always good to get started uh, with... with uh, with a sledgehammer. <laughs> to give is better than to receive. You know, who knew that? Uh, we often kind of, that's been twisted a lot, especially in our culture, into the give to receive. 
because that's more palatable. But that's not, that's not what it is. It's better to give than to receive. You know, if you're giving to go, I'm, gonna, I'm investing to get more back, that's not giving. That's investing. And there's a place for investing. Okay? If you, yeah, to, to be honest with you, if you, wanna, if you want an investment that really guarantees a return, invest in the kingdom of God. But that's not the same thing as giving. Giving is when you give. Done. Gone. And it's better to give than to receive. Lose your life to find it. I mean, I'm just throwing a few things out here that don't that tend to go against the grain. And over the next four weeks, we're going to look at, at four major areas where the Christian way cuts against the grain of conventional wisdom. And many miss the way while they think they're walking in a way that pleases God. Because in conventional wisdom, it, it feels like or seems like we're walking in a way that pleases God, but not in, not in God's wisdom. And so today we're going to talk about forgiveness. Next week will be surrender, which isn't something that we like to think about or something that we like to do. And next week will be mercy. And then the next week will be submission to authority. Oh, boy. <laughs> Circle that one on your calendar. <laughs> yeah. But there's power in these things. There's, there's, there's freedom, there's joy, and there's power in these things. Yeah, merciful servant. I, I want to touch on, it's such a rich, textured um, parable, but I, I want to touch on four things from it. And the first one really starts out before the parable, and it's the question that prompted the parable. The question is, how many times shall I forgive my brother? Because, you see, we're inclined to reduce righteousness down to a formula. We want to try to reduce righteousness down to a formula. Uh, you do A and you do B and you get C. And that's how that works. And every time you do A and every time you do B, you will get C every time. Life doesn't work that way. And the kingdom doesn't work that way. And actually, that's not what the law was given for. The law was not given to make us righteous. How many know that? Six of you. Good. Well, I'm glad I mentioned it because apparently there was a dearth of information going on around here. <laughs> the law wasn't given to make us righteous. Galatians 3, 10 through 12 says, All who rely on obeying the law are under a curse. Wow. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Paul wrote the letter to the Galatians almost in its entirety because they had been taught, they were being taught that well, now that you've accepted Christ, now that you have come to Christ, you gotta, you got to keep all the rules, you know, because it's really about keeping the law. And so Paul is writing his letter, and the argument that he uses as he's building up to this is really a very powerful one, because Abraham was declared righteous. He says Abraham was declared righteous. And he goes, you know what else? The law didn't exist when Abraham was declared righteous. 
It was over 400 years before the law was going to come about. And so how did Abraham get righteous? When he goes back and he discovers that it was, it was by faith. And it's really a pretty amazing thing. The Bible is such an amazing book. The, the place where Abraham was declared righteous by God was when Abraham believed God concerning the seed that would be coming. And of course Isaac was one fulfillment of that, but another fulfillment of that was Christ. And so in a lot of ways, Abraham was declared righteous just the same way we are. He believed when he heard about Christ. Uh, he didn't know all the details. Uh, we don't know all the details, quite frankly. But he believed and declared righteous. And so he says, you know, it's not about, it's not about obeying the law. The law was given for two reasons, for two purposes. The first purpose was to keep us from destroying each other. Very honestly. I mean, you think the world is bad now. Imagine what it would be like if the law had never been given. If we had never heard, <laughs> if we had never heard, thou shalt not kill. As if that has kept us from doing it, but it's probably kept us from doing it a few more times than we would have done it if it had never been given. If we had never heard. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Don't bear false witness. Don't covet. We've never heard these things. And of course, you know, I put the big one up there and the bomb and everything, but I could have just as easily, you know, put somebody choking somebody or somebody thinking bad stuff about somebody. It was given to keep us from destroying each other. Uh, Paul uh, says in Galatians 3.19, what then was the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come it was it was given because without it i don't know if we'd have lasted till the seed came and so that was one of the reasons why the law was given second reason why the law was given was to show us our depravity it wasn't really given so that we could become righteous because no one becomes righteous by keeping the law it was given so that we would discover that we're not righteous, that we can't do this. Paul also says over in Galatians 3.24, so the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ so that we might be justified by faith, so that we might come to the end of ourselves and realize, hey, I can't do this. I, I'm, I'm not able to do this. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't try to live right <clears throat> because the more that we... To the degree that we are able to live right and do what God has told us to do, the better our life's going to be. It's just that simple. And, and the opposite applies as well. The, the less that we keep the law, the, the worse that it's going to be. Oh, it might look like things are going well, but we're I'm talking about inside where nobody else can see and nobody else can touch you and the emptiness just gets emptier and emptier and the, and the darkness just gets blacker and blacker. So we, doesn't mean we don't try to live right, but that we no longer have to live with denial of the law going, oh, that doesn't apply. Yeah, of course it applies. It applies. Or the deception that we keep the law. John says over in 1 John, I didn't put this in the, in the reference, but I probably should have. I was just, just thinking about it. But in 1 John uh, <clears throat> 1 John 1, 8, 
says, uh, if we say we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar. His word has no place in our lives. But we also don't have to live with the guilt of the fact that we can't keep the law. We're released from that. Therefore, we cannot justify ourselves by saying that we've kept the rules because we really haven't, but we can be justified in another way. Righteousness comes through Jesus Christ. That's, a, that's, that's the first thing. Peter was trying to get a formula. You know, how many times do I have to forgive my brothers? Can I, after seven, can I go get him? After seven, can I have at him? You know, and Jesus, <laughs> you know, Jesus replies, no, 77 times, Peter. And actually, the truth of the matter is, uh, that's, uh, math is a little fuzzy in, in, in Greek and, uh, and, and Hebrew as well. Math, math gets a little fuzzy, and so sometimes the numbers, you know, so it's not really clear if, if Jesus was saying 77 times or if he was saying uh, 70 times 7, which would be 420, or if he was saying 70 times 70, no, it would be 490, or 70 times 70, which is, is a big number. What, what is that? That's 4,900 or 49,000? Which is it? 4,900? <laughs> well, you see, once you get to 4,900 in a day, you're probably clear to go after him. No, you're not really. I mean, what Jesus is saying is there's no, that's not the way you do it. That's, that's not how it figures out. Let me tell you a story. And it's, it's a great story, but I, I just want to pull two things out of the story and one more thing out of what Peter said. And the first thing I want to pull out of the story is the man was tortured. The servant was turned over to the jailers to be tortured. And that seems to cast God in a bad light. Um, but this is a parable, okay? It's not about... <clears throat> necessarily the nature of God. It's about the nature of unforgiveness, and it's about the, our nature is, what, it, is what, it's, what it's really about. It's not a justification for torture. But God doesn't torture us because we are bad. The bad itself does that. Unforgiveness tortures. Unforgiveness messes with us to that degree have you ever lost sleep because of an offense i mean have you ever somebody did something to you that day and you just couldn't you couldn't sleep that night anybody here i'm asking for a show of hands we're going to keep this interactive going on here okay good i see it's mostly men but uh <laughs> a lot of women too Maybe, maybe you couldn't eat, and sometimes it's just so silly, but it's just, and it's got gotcha. you, got gotcha you by the throat, can't sleep, can't eat, can't enjoy parks and recreation, or whatever it is that you like to watch, you know, it's just not funny this time, well, it's funny, you're just, you're just dealing with something. And let me, uh, let me get a little closer to the phone here and maybe uh, <clears throat> pull up some examples. Yeah. I can't love anymore because of how Billy, Joe, Tom, Sue, Mary, Beth, 
hurt me. Okay, okay. But that's not why you can't love anymore. And what are you missing out on if you can't love anymore? What are you missing out on, huh? The reason you can't love anymore isn't because of how they hurt you. The reason that you can't love anymore is because you can't forgive them and move on. It's got you mired. It's got you stuck. Unforgiveness has got you in a miserable place. And it doesn't get better. The longer you live with that, the more it feels like normal. But it isn't. I used to enjoy dancing, singing, travel, etc. But now, you know, I used to enjoy dancing. And I got up and danced for the Lord. You know, and when I walked out, somebody rebuked me. <laughs> Eugene Peterson uh, has a book called The Pastor, and, and it's basically his, uh, his spiritual biography, as well as his biography. <laughs> and, uh, and one of the things in it that I just can't forget about is his mom. His mom was a, a she was a preacher, and she they, they lived in Montana, back when Montana was Montana. I mean, this was this was a long time ago, and and his mom would uh, would go out and preach to the what did they have? wasn't the cowboys it was it was some roughnecks but I mean she'd go into tough places and she'd she'd preach Jesus and uh, and, I'm, and people got saved I'm I'm sure they did you know and he'd go with her and. Uh, you know, be the kid sitting, sitting uh, on the, well, they didn't have pews, but sitting in the chair or whatever, his feet didn't touch the floor, but singing those hymns and listening to mom preaching and people getting saved until one day, one dear old brother came up to her and rebuked her. You know you can't do that because you're a woman. And I got to believe she didn't lay it down because of... Uh, got to believe she didn't lay it down because of unforgiveness she laid it down out of deference preferring this brother it's me that's having trouble forgiving that brother because i i want to i want to i'd like to take him out behind the church and teach him a few things about the bible just just to be honest with you what do you mean she can't do that. What are you doing? You know, I mean, seriously. We get right down to it. And, 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 and especially in the church, there's such a, oftentimes there's such a tyranny of the offended. You can't do that. You know, and everybody goes, okay, we won't do that. You know, well, you can't do that either. Anybody ever had that happen to you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I see that hand. I see that. <laughs> And oftentimes, oftentimes, and hopefully this isn't the case with any of y'all, but I know oftentimes people get hurt over it and they become offended by it and they no longer do those things and it's not in a good spirit either. Their spirit has now been wounded and they're going, 
I ought to be able to dance. Just, you know, just because I'm, just because I'm ugly and not graceful doesn't mean I can't, shouldn't be able to dance before the Lord. <sighs> you know. And now worship becomes, instead of this joyous, wonderful expression of thanks and glory to God, it now becomes a, a torturous time in a person's life. You may be a bad singer, and maybe you didn't know it until you were singing real loud one time, one Sunday, and somebody turned around and let you know. And so that kind of sets up the other one. I used to go to church until this happened or that happened, and I got offended, and I just can't be there anymore. In fact, all of these things can really be summed up this way. I just can't let it go. And when you just can't let it go, you're in misery. You're in misery. Doesn't have anything to do with the person that did it to you. So when God, the, the, the master turned the servant over to the jailers. The jailers did the torturing. And if we insist on holding on to our unforgiveness, God has no choice but to turn us over to our unforgiveness. And it will do the torturing. One other thing about what Peter said. Uh, my brother, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? Jesus' parables are so richly packed it's tempting to read too much into every word and and i don't think we can actually do that but in this case i don't think it's an accident that that peter used the word brother here now some would take this word brother and use it as an out use it as an excuse to not forgive uh not forgive an unbeliever kind of go, well it's only talking about a brother there you know, if, some, if somebody who ain't a brother uh, and they do something to me, I don't have to forgive them because they're not, you know, he's talking about a brother. Back to the formula. <laughs> I mean, seriously, people. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I understand wanting to look for an out, wanting to try and find an out, but what got the servant in trouble in the parable, the guy that he went out and found and, and began to choke him and wanted his money back, he wasn't a brother. He was, just another, he was just another person, just another servant, just another person walking around on God's green earth. And unforgiveness toward that person created the problem in this guy's life. And so it's, this isn't, there, there's not a, there's not a, um, this isn't a qualifier. However, I do need to say the hardest to forgive usually comes from family. Usually comes from those who are closest to us. I get twitchy <clears throat> when I think about this guy. Oh, gee, it must have been... 20, no, 30. It's over 30 years ago. 
uh, Nolensville Road, just this side of the underpass. There used to be some shops and stuff up in there. Isaac and I were going, I don't know, we were going to a store or something, and, and we, we pulled, in the, pulled in the parking lot, and we were driving down the, the lane by the stores to, to turn into a parking place, and this, this guy's in front of us, and he's window shopping. He's, uh, uh, he's, he's, in, he's in the lane where he's supposed to be driving, but you know, he'll stop and look at this store. And then inch up a little bit, look at this store, you know. I'm going, what is that? What you, what, ah. So I went around him and turned in and parked. I get Isaac out of the car seat. That's how I know how long ago it was. <laughs> I, get, I get Isaac out of the car seat and uh, hold his hand and start walking in the store. And the guy gets out of the car screaming at me, you know, about, you reckless driver, you, you, you shouldn't have taken that. You put that boy's life in danger, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, you know, when I think about that, I get twitchy. <laughs> I mean, you know, that would almost have been worth 10 years of karate lessons. <laughs> you know, seriously, when you, when you get right down to it. Uh, and you know what? I do think about it two or three times a decade. And I have to lay it down, I have to put it down, I have to go, well, God, you know, you know what's going on with him. He's probably dead now. That's all right. But, uh, you, you know, <laughs> but that's up to, I didn't touch you. It's up, it's up. <laughs> Two or three times a decade, I have to deal with that. But when it's somebody in your family, it's not a two or three times a decade thing, is it? When the offense is from family, it's uh, very difficult to lay down. It often goes back to very formative years in our lives. And, it, and it's constantly with you. <laughs> okay. So many people have daddy issues. Father's Day is not a, an easy day to preach. I'm just telling you. And not all of the people who have issues have issues from the children's side. Some of the, some of the fathers have issues. You know, it's kind of like, well, why are you heaping this guilt on us? It's not guilt. I'm just talking about being a good father. But I mean, seriously, it's, it's a rough day for a lot of people. And the older you get, or at least the older I got, the more I've come to realize that, you know, if... if uh, if you got issues because your daddy was bad daddy, one thing I can say for sure is your daddy had issues. And I don't know where he got it from. Maybe he had a bad daddy who had a bad granddaddy. Who, where does it go back to? Uh, Eden? Every, everybody has stuff they've got, they got to deal with, they got to carry. Everybody has a lot, and, and boy, you know, sometimes you blow it big time, especially with your kids. And when you do, they don't understand what's going on inside of you. 
Because they're kids. Just like you didn't understand what was going on when it was passed on to you. But it still hurts. Still hard to let go of. So how do you do it? What's, you know, okay, you're not telling me anything that I don't already know. I know that the pain's there, but how do I get rid of it? What, where, where does the strength come from? What can I do about this? How to forgive. I consider this the elephant in the parable for a couple of reasons. One, because it says that, uh, well, it doesn't say, but we've, you've all heard that elephants never forget. And the key isn't about forgetting. The key's about forgiving. You're not being told to forget. That's, that's not the way you actually get there. But it's an elephant in the parable because it's the whole thing. It's what the parable is about right there at the beginning. After being forgiven, the, the, the servant owed 10,000 talents. A denarius was somewhere between 172nd uh, and 184th of a talent at that point in time. They, believe it or not, had inflation in Roman days, but somewhere around there. And so uh, 80 of those times 10,000, it's a big number. And so the guy had been forgiven, you know, let's, let's say if a denarius is worth a dollar, the guy had been forgiven somewhere around five and a half million dollars. And after he was forgiven five and a half million dollars, he goes out and grabs a guy who owes him a hundred dollars. Now, here's the thing. If I owed five and a half million dollars, and I, and I got to pay the five and a half million dollars, and you owe me a hundred dollars, I'm probably going to want my money. But if I'm told, if I get a letter in the mail going, you know, guess, forget about it. You don't owe the five and a half million dollars anymore. It's a lot easier to go, oh, just keep the hundred. <laughs> and that's the key to the whole thing. That's the key. The level to which we've been forgiven is so enormous, is so immense. You know, when I was saying earlier, freely you've received, freely give. I mean, we tend to, we tend to take that and put it in the context of, uh, oh, we're greatly blessed here. Uh, so, you know, I'll bring a dollar for the poor because I have food and a house and, and everything. Well, yeah, that's one context, but the ocean of mercy and forgiveness and grace that has been extended to you. Whew. Well, Ephesians 4, 26 says it very succinctly be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in christ god forgave you just the same way exactly the same way god forgave you because of christ he didn't forgive you because of you and he really didn't forgive you because of himself so god can do anything no he can't he can't lie. 
He can't be untrue to his nature. He can't stop being holy. And because he can't stop being holy, he couldn't forgive you and allow you into his presence. You'd be destroyed. The only thing that made that possible was the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And because of Christ's sacrifice, he can forgive you. And because of Christ's sacrifice, you can forgive me. And I can forgive you, and I can forgive I. Forgive myself. A number of you know this lady or know of her, know Corey Timboom. Uh, the older we get, the fewer people have, have read The Hiding Place or, or, or know about her. She was uh, uh, a Dutch lady, and her family during uh, World War II would, uh, would hide Jews in their, in their home, um, keep them from the Nazis. But they were, they were discovered, they were ultimately discovered, and uh, uh, they themselves were sent off to a concentration camp. And uh, her story is a remarkable story. Her sister died in the concentration camp. Her, 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 the rest of her family, she's really the only one who escaped. And she escaped because of a clerical error. Actually, she escaped because God delivered her. But it, it seemed to be because of a clerical error. Uh, and there's a, there's, a couple of, uh, there's a couple of places in, in her book, The Hiding Place, that are very, very powerful. One of them uh, talks about when she first went to the concentration camp. And the first thing that they did was they took all their clothes and had them just stand there naked. And she was telling her sister, she said, I, I can't stand this. I can't, I can't, you know, this is not something I can do. And, uh, and then she realized, she remembered the verse of Scripture about when Jesus was hung on the cross, they took his garments from him and, and he, he, he hung there naked. And she realized, my Savior did that. And if he can do that, I can do this. But then uh, the other place in her book, and probably the most powerful place in her book, concerns something that happened quite a few years later when she, uh, when she encountered one of, the, uh, one of the guards who had been at the concentration camp. And I, I could tell you this story, but I'm going uh, to let her tell you the story. Turn, turn the lights down just a little bit. It was some time ago that I was in Berlin. And there came a man to me and said, Ah, Mr. Bohm, I am glad to see you. Don't you know me? And suddenly I saw that man that was one of the most cruel aufseers, guards, in the concentra in concentration camp. And that man said, I have, I'm now a Christian. I have found the Lord Jesus. I read my Bible and I know that there is forgiveness for all the sins of the whole world. Also for my sins. I have forgiveness for the cruelties I have done. But then I have asked God grace for an opportunity that I could ask one of my very victims forgiveness. And Fräulein Tambom once in year forgiven, will you forgive me? And I could not. I remembered the suffering of my dying sister through him. But when I saw, when I experienced that I could not forgive, suddenly I knew 
I myself have no forgiveness. Do you know that Jesus has said that? When you do not forgive those who have sinned against you, my heavenly Father will not forgive you your sins. I, I knew, oh, I'm not ready for Jesus coming because I have no forgiveness for my sins. But I was not able, I could not, I could only hate him. And then I took one of these beautiful texts, one of these boundless resources, Romans 5, 5. The love of God is shed abroad into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. And I said, thank you, Jesus, that you have brought into my heart God's love through the Holy Spirit who is given to me. And thank you, Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness. That same moment, I was free. And I could say, brother, give me your hand. And I shook hands with him. And it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms. You never touch so the ocean of God's love as that you forgive your enemies. Can you forgive? No. I can't either. But he can. moment in that there's two things in that video I know there's a lot of things in that video there's two things that really in particular touch me one of them is when she's talking about the verse of scripture and the way she describes it and that boundless resource is what she calls it and and that's what I'm talking about that's what we're talking about when we're so frequently going, read the Word, read the Word, read the Word, read the Word, get, get the Word in you. Because then there's a boundless resource when, when these moments come in our lives. But the other one, the, the one that really hit me in this passage is when she says, at that moment, I was set free. See, she probably didn't even know up until that time the bondage she was in, the slavery she was in. This guy had been praying to God that he would be able to find someone to, to ask their forgiveness. And so he thought this was for him. This wasn't for him. Ah, it was for him in some ways. It was for her. Because at that moment, she was set free. She could dance now. She could sing now. She could go to church now. She could love now. She could do those things that the unforgiveness had been keeping her from doing. Colossians 3.13. Finish with this. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name the prayer that jesus taught us to pray includes the phrase forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us i have prayed that prayer more than one time i pray it quite frequently and every time that i do pray it i, I try to stop at each section and go okay 
what do I need to talk to him about right now? And when I get to that section, every time, you know, I go, okay, God, let, let's, let's do some inventory here. Let's, who is it? Where, where are places in my life that, that I might have some unforgiveness that I'm holding against someone? And I, and I, and I, I name names, bring it up, you know. And, you know, most of the time, I don't, no, actually, I never go, and you know what, God, I, I fixed that one. I don't, I don't have a problem with that one anymore. Uh, because just sure as you think you don't have a problem with it anymore, he'll find some way to show you where the problem is. Frolantimboom. <laughs> how, did, how did she say it? it they don't say tin, it's timboom. Timboom, yes. Yeah, you'll find a way to, you know, and so oftentimes what I have to say is, I can't do this. Lord, I, I want to, I think I have forgiven, and I want to forgive. Help. Help me. And here's the last thing. It's never a one-and-done proposition. It's never a one-and-done proposition. A couple of minutes here, we're going to have some people down here to pray with folks, and some of you probably will be coming down and going, you know, I got a, I got a, a situation I need to let go of here. I got something I need to release, and I like prayer for that. And you're going to walk away feeling a whole lot better until it comes up again. And when it comes up again, then you have to do the same thing again. You go, well, what's the point in doing it the first time? If you don't ever do it the first time, it won't ever happen. But if you do it the first time, it gets easier. It gets easier. Uh, you know, there'll be some bumps in the road, but it gets easier. There's freedom there. There's power there there's joy there it's such a counterintuitive way to live you can look at the rest of the world and go eh, i found it i really found it would you stand with me and when those who are going to pray with people come down front and let me just say that if you have any need, uh, you can come for prayer. I, and nobody will know. Nobody's going to look at you and go, oh, that person's got unforgiveness in their heart. I thought they were a good Christian. No, you may be coming down to have your toenail prayed for or something. But you may be coming down because you have unforgiveness in your heart and you like to be set free. Uh, the altar's open. We're going to worship for a few moments. We'll wait for you. Uh, God wants to do something for you. What, whatever it is that you need, he wants to do something for you. You come.
necessarily going oh you were right and I was wrong uh, one, one of the people whose names I mention every time that I go okay forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those one of the names that I always mention is, is a brother that I still think he was wrong and I'm sure he still thinks I was wrong but you know what I'm free and I think he is too I mean I love the guy I, I, I genuinely do some people you love, sometimes they're wrong. So it's not about that. It's about forgiving. Raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who sent his Son into the world so that we might have life and have it to the full, have it abundantly, may, may, that, may that be manifested in you. And may everything that that holds you back from that. May everything that shackles you from that, may it be broken and fall off of you through the strength and the love and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ.